Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs, Jr. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live, baby. The God, the podcast that helps you fix your Catholic marriage. We're also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. But moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court. And with Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh. Divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day. We're also helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. In this 164th episode, our monthly questions on Christianity segment, Husbands, get out your butt and learn your faith with Catholic theologian David L. Gray, plus live phone calls from you answering your marriage and crisis questions. So get in that cue. Plus, remember, give back and help other marriages by sharing this podcast. If you are getting value, give it a big thumbs up. So don't wait. Get in that cue. Call 313-RADICAL for some resolution to your marriage confusion. And so we have the quote of the day. Let's get rocking. Quote, all love craves for unity. A moment when separateness is vanquished and there is a fusion of entities in a center outside of both. Flesh, though a means to unity when united to a soul, is in itself an obstacle because matter is impenetrable. A block of marble cannot be made one with another block without losing the identity of either. But the spiritual is a bond of unity. Two persons learn poetry without one depriving the other of his knowledge. Poetry thus becomes the bond of their unity. Matter is the basis of division, spirit the root of unity. The flesh is a means to unity because it is bound up with a soul in a living person. To the extent that love loses its soul, it loses its unity. When the spirit is gone, there is left only a mere body, proximity, which bores and fatigues. End quote. Archbishop Fudin J. Sheen, book three, To Get Married. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Tuesday through Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, for some resolution to your marriage confused. All right, we are back. And so today's guest is my man, David L. Gray of SaintDominicsMedia.com. David is the founder, president, and publisher of St. Dominic's Media and the David L. Gray at davidlgray.info. David is also the author of the Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry and Dead on Arrival, the Seven Fatal Errors of Solo Scriptura, to name a few. He is also a Catholic theologian and historian. David has been married seven years to his beloved Felicia. He has four daughters. Today, I and David continue with our monthly series on learning the faith called Questions on Christianity, the Catholic Faith Explained. In this monthly series, we will discuss the faith in its complete fullness and begin learning what Christ intended for us and his church. And as always, we will take your calls as well. Gentlemen, we must begin to realize that as husbands and fathers, we can no longer be ignorant to God and what he is asking of us. This is the only way to expose Satan in our homes and confront him. You are not a normal man anymore. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you must know 
that you are not a normal man anymore. You are a Christian soldier, and now it's time to get on board to what that actually means. Learn your faith in order to protect, defend, and serve your home. So after this quick break, we will be back and get to rocking. Bam. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. All right, all right. So, as promised, our questions on Christianity segment with Arthur David L. Gray. Hi, Big David. How are you doing, man? Uh oh. Let me let me get you up. See, there you go, Jerry. That's what happens when you ain't running right. Bam. There you go. Try that. Glad to be back on, Mister Jerry Jacobs. Jr. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> okay, okay. It seems weird people call me Jerry Jacobs Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's like JJJ. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so hey, let's get this going, man, because we're starting about a half hour late today. Normally, we start at 10 a.m. Eastern, but you know, sometimes technology things do not work like they should, and we got other things going. So, let's start to rock this. So yeah, no, you're you're a busy man. You got man, you saving out you saving marriages, man. <laughs> like you. So yeah, I just hey. I was just talking to one of my friends. He said he got an appointment with you like in a few minutes. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he uh he emailed me yesterday. I mean, he must have heard us on the show talking about him yesterday. Uh what was that, Monday? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he contacted my wife on Facebook and yeah. um my wife sent him a schedule link and so me and him are going to be talking today i couldn't believe it so that's a good thing yeah looking forward to it all right man so let's let's do this man let's let's get this going so first off as we always do with this segment let's start off with some info in the church some you know their church scandals any controversies current events you know anything that people should know that's, that's that's not going the way god would have it go in the church what do you think I mean, you know, I was thinking about that, and I really think the church is been the same in a sense for like the last two thousand years. The Catholic Church, uh, it, we've been dealing with the issue of sin in the world, and also we've been dealing with the weeds and in the weed in the church. So we have sinners inside the church and outside the church. So the church has been working through that and has been looking a different way in every age. So. In this age today, at least in the first world, you know, it's a lot of issues around human rights. You know, these so-called human rights of, of we have a right to homosexuality, a right to abortion, right to you know these weird rights. And so the church has mm-hmm. really been trying to work in that 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 um, that that, that where, where, where they're coming from and trying to reorient the world. Well, what does it mean? What are the rights that we receive from God? Because those are our true rights. So. And so, yeah, I think that's how I like to really answer that 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 question today, Jerry. Just in a bigger context, and not, there's really nothing new under the sun. It's just you know. Well, one of the things of that one of the things that my wife, you know, you and my wife are a lot of like y'all be on the stuff. Y'all be watching YouTube and and getting all the stories and stuff where I, you know that because that's really your forte. You know, you have to know all the kind of current event things that are happening. Yeah. And one of the things I saw her watch the other day, and then I just happened to look at your show 
um, the other day, and you were talking about Cardinal Dolan, the, the mm. Cardinal of New York, and how he's saying that the masses needs to be shortened yeah. and stuff like that. What, are, what is that all about? So, yeah, Cardinal Dolan in New York, he's an archbishop, cardinal of New York City. He had put out a survey in his community asking people, you know, how come you're not going to Mass? Um, as Catholics, we're obligated to go to Mass every Sunday and every holy day of obligation. Like, um, like um, there's just some days during the week, like the Immaculate Conception, we just have to go to Mass on, if you've never heard of a holy day of obligation uh, for your um, listeners. So, yeah, the Cardinal Dolan sent out a survey and some people are saying, well, you know, mass is a struggle because a number of reasons. Uh, they said, one, we cannot hear that. We cannot understand a priest. And that has to do with a lot of parishes have priests from other countries. Then the, the other issue, people are still dealing with, you know, fear of COVID and things like that. Another reason he thought was more interesting was people saying, well, the homilies are, are too long. There's distractions at mass, you know, weird music and. Have these know, people ever been to a Protestant church? <laughs> Dude, right. the priest only preaches like five, 10, 15 minutes at the most. You go to a Protestant church, man, they in there, that, that preacher's preaching for two hours straight. Yeah, and then you got to come back at three o'clock. Yeah, so, you do. You know <laughs> right. And, I, and that's like, and that's really like a, a problem in the United States as well, because even if you lead a country, I mean, you, you've been out there, you guys go on cruises and stuff like that. You you go to these churches in Puerto Rico, in South America, even some countries in Africa. It's the same thing. People get into the hobby and preach. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the United States, man, if you go that, you know, to be honest, man, that's one of the things that drew me to the Catholic faith. I'm not gonna lie. I had me and my wife had started uh dating again um after like 15 years, 16, 17 years or something, and she was a Catholic five generations, mm-hmm. and so I didn't know I wasn't like a like you guys probably know, I wasn't a product, I wasn't a a, a Baptist. I wasn't a Protestant. I wasn't. I wasn't anything. I was just like flailing, mm-hmm. and so you know me. I liked her, so I said, "Okay, I'll go to that." You know, here, you know how the, the women are. You want to yeah. go to church with me? Oh man! Okay. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna say, right? What are you gonna say? <laughs> so funny. I said, "Okay, I'll go to church with you." So we yeah. go to church, man, and we get in there. And first of all, I've never been to Catholic church in my life. Never. So we go in there, and then uh, we we sit down, and everybody's kind of quiet. Um, not how, like other Protestant churches I've been to, where you go in there and everybody's just talking, like it's like a rate, like they're outside in the street, just talking, you know, like it ain't nothing. Um, and so in the Catholic church, I was in there, and then all of a sudden the priest comes up. We have this intro thing, and we uh, one thing that got me at first was we we always moving. Right, mm. like standing up, then we kneeling, then we stand up. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to get no exercise, mm. man. It's I'm just trying to. It's calisthenics. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. So we're going through, and so we go through the first part of the mass, and then we get to the homily, the pre, the the priest, the part where he gives the sermon. Yeah. So he gets up, father, uh, father gets up and go. He starts talking, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, you know. I've been to other Protestant like Baptist churches, so I just sit back and get ready. Like okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting back and get ready. Like this is gonna take a while, right? Yeah. It's gonna be at least two or three hours or something. So let me just yeah, yeah. <sighs> you know, yeah. man, father's preaching and at about five minutes, man. I'm not lying. Five minutes on the dot, he was done. Yeah, you and, confu- I, and you confused because you see him just walk away. You'd be like, is he gonna come back? What's, right. Yeah, is he taking it? What's going on? He's gonna prop? <laughs> right. Like, is he like where is he going? Yeah. So I look at my wife, and I don't say nothing because we in church. So then uh they we finish the mass. He does the consecration and does the stuff. They march out. And I look at my wife and I go, We done? She's like, What are you talking about? I mean, like, we're actually free to leave. <laughs> She's like, yep. yeah, let's go. Yeah. We did our little genuflect and we left. Yeah. And that was one of the things that drew me to the faith. I know y'all probably laughing at me, but to me, I always thought church people were fake. Mm-hmm. You know, like you act one way in the church and then you get outside the church and then you you're, you act like your regular worldly self. All right. So when we, we, we marched out and so 
I'm thinking, wow, we done in an hour, almost an hour exactly to the T. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't, man. So yeah. that's my little story about coming into one of the ways my wife got me into the church. So what do you think about that? It was weird for me as well, because I came in from Protestantism and my first mass experience, it was I was kind of caught off because it was different. It wasn't a lot of noise, a hoopla, hoopla. People weren't talking. I walked in, people were like kneeling and it looked sacred. It seemed like it's just a completely different space. Mm-hmm. And then the homily, I, I still remembered it for a long time after I, after that, that first mass. And But what I saw there was that, okay, it wasn't the homily. That's not where they really spent the time and the attention. It wasn't that. It was this thing that they, that as a Protestant, I would call communion, right? Yeah. And yeah. Catholics call the Holy Eucharist. That, okay, that seemed to be because he's doing a lot at the altar now, and he's saying a lot of things, and people are paying more attention to that than they would the homily. And that was like my first impression, like, oh, it must be, that must be the thing. Then then in Protestant churches, the, it's the word of God being preached. But in Catholic, Catholics, Jesus Christ, truly the word, the person, comes to be at the altar. He truly visits us as, as the person of Jesus Christ himself. The So the word, the person, is what we're concerned with rather than somehow the preacher is going to interpret the word through some things. So I was like, Oh, okay. 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 Y'all, y'all deep. <laughs> right. right. And I, I told my wife, I said, I said, I could do that. I could go for an hour. I can't, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm like, Oh man, like Cardinal Dolan. Oh man, I got to get up and go, you know, but yeah. sorry, man. So let's get to the, uh, the, uh, the uh, object, the, uh, the apologetics for the day, going to learn some stuff about the faith. And as usual, we're going to have like three, three questions that we're going to talk about. And then okay. we're going to have, um, I'm going to read the, uh, read the, uh, the statement, the question, and then I'll uh, give the scripture that goes to it. Um, then I'll read the interpretation and then I'll ask you what you think about it. You expound on it in your theologian way that you do things. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the first thing, so common misconceptions concerning the Catholic faith and Christianity. Um, so objection one. So this is one, these are things that a lot of people have objection to about the Catholic faith and the mm-hmm. Christian faith and that they really don't understand. And so we're going to try to help everybody to understand a little bit more and get a little bit more in depth. So objection one for this week, this month is, for the true Christian, oh, and another thing is, too, we're still focusing on authority. So the papacy, like the Pope being in charge of the church, Bible, so, so scripture, solo scriptura, and things like that. So we're still focusing on authority probably for the next two or three months because authority is a very, very, very important thing that I always like to go into. And a lot of people don't really like the Pope thing. They don't like the Catholic Church saying that we're the first church and things like that. But what I've come to understand is it doesn't really matter what folks think. It matters matters what the the demons think. So the demons, they know the deal. They know what's up. And so they're the ones that are influenced, and they're the ones that that know the word of God 10 times better than we do. So that's one of the things where this helps me get understand the authority thing, that Christ gave us authority to minister over and to run his church. So the first objection is for the true Christian, the Bible alone is the pillar of truth. So where we go is, uh, where is that? See, I knew I should have did it. Um, Timothy. Yeah. So the scripture that proves this statement false is Timothy three fifteen. If I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. So the interpretation of that scripture is for the Catholic, the pillar of truth is the church. Paul does not tell Timothy to consult or read the scriptures to seek the truth. The scriptures do in fact contain the true word of God, but we must turn to the church for an an, for an infallible interpretation of the revealed truth found in scripture. If we read the scriptures in concert with the church, we will see truth in God's revelation. We are not to interpret scripture in isolation, but with the church, which is an awesome statement that it used to be a thing, David, that 
people used to say that Catholics, we don't read the Bible mm-hmm. and Catholics are not supposed to uh, to read the Bible, stuff like that. I'm like, that's crazy. In mass, dude, we go over like five or six scriptures. Like mm-hmm. there's the the epistle one and two. There's the, the, the sacred, the gospel. Then there's the psalm. I mean, yeah. we, everybody's got their missile out that has scriptures in it. I, I've never yeah. understood where that come from. Then I learned that what happened, what it was, is like this. This interpretation says we, the church is. We're not like people go to like. Here's what they say about a lot of churches: Protestants, Baptists, and Methodists. Is that when they go to Bible study on Wednesday, they read the scripture and then they say what they think it means. Mm-hmm. When you go to a Catholic Bible study, mm-hmm. it's not. We don't. We we talk on what the interpretation of Christ and his church says the scripture means. You see the what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly. Um, I would go a couple of places with that just to make it um, you know, digestible to people maybe hearing this for the first time. And the first thing I would say is that a lot of Christian professions have creeds, things that they believe. As Catholics, we believe in the nice what's called the Nicene Constantinople Creed. This is the creed of the early councils of the church uh, when bishops came together to resolve heresy. And those creeds begin, we say them every mass. Um, they, they, they say that, they, and we, what we say is that we believe, we believe. So we go through a series of things that we believe. So for the Christian, for the Catholic, it's not saying that I believed or um, I found or I discovered is we believe as a community that like these are things that we believe. So it's not it's not an isolation. It's not me on the island. So, and why is that beneficial? Well, when I was when I was a Protestant, I found that to be one of the hardest things for me as a Protestant. Jerry was that I, I had so much weight on my shoulders trying to like read the scriptures, trying to figure out everything for myself, and I was yes. troubled with with all the different interpretations, like. Is it a Holy Trinity or is it something else? Or what does this verse mean? That's a lot of pressure. And I would find myself sort of getting angry with God. Like, God, why? how can you be God and you're just leaving your people out here confused? We all are supposed to have the Holy Spirit. We all are supposed to have church, you know, and you're supposed to, you know, us by this, you know, the same one faith, one baptism that scriptures talk about. But we all are, we have these different, we're competing with one another about what is true. Yet you said you are true. So there seems to be a contradiction between who God said he is versus what, you know, the path that I'm on. We're divided, yet you're one. So and I was, it was so refreshing to me so to discover the Catholic faith in that regard with that, well, we believe. And the verse that you read um, from 2 Timothy points to that, is that the, the church is the pillar and bulwark or pillar and foundation of the truth. So scripture does need one authentic interpreter, and that's the apostles and their successors that Christ appointed. And so why is that beneficial? Well, again, I I think if we look at Christianity, look at the condition of the world that it's in today, we look at the Protestant experiment for the last 500 years or Martin Luther and all that. And we can say, well, has that really worked? This idea that you could just pick up the Bible, interpret it yourself. How has that worked out? Well, we see that so many dominant denominations have started from an idea. Nobody's won. Now look at the Catholic church for the last two, 2000 years. How, how can we remain one? Well, it's because we've in, been, we've had that one authentic interpreter the church, the apostles appointed by Jesus Christ. But Jerry, the Protestant, you know, people listening to this will say, do you know, well, you guys didn't read the whole thing. You guys just read in a section. Okay, well, let's, let's go on. <laughs> and it says that um, um, in 316, it says that all scripture is inspired by God. And they will say, well, that right there, that right there, Jerry and David proves that it is scripture alone. It says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and all this other stuff that it says. But while you may use that verse to say that, well, it's just scripture alone because scripture is inspired by God. The verse is the, the, the scriptures doesn't actually say that it just says that it's inspired by God and it's useful for these things. It never says that you can pick this up, this interpreter or that the book interprets itself. So, the church, we believe, the church, Catholic Church has always believed that God has appointed his apostles to be the authentic interpreters of the scripture 
And for our evidence, we show you how that's worked out for the last 2,000 years. We haven't changed on the most important things that the world has changed on. We, we still believe the same thing about marriage in between one man, one woman. We believe that life is, 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 life begins in a womb. We believe that marriage, like I said, between one man and woman, that divorce is outside of the covenant with God, that we, there's no such thing as, as divorce. Um, every moral issue that the world is confused on now, transgenderism, holy sexuality, we haven't changed on any of these things while the world has. So that's our evidence to the fact that what we believe works and therefore we know it's true and it's from God. And so like real quick going to, so, and I'm not think I, we have one of those today, but like going to people think that the Pope is like the know all be all mm-hmm. and, and the first, and he's not, he, he, he only, he, what the Pope says is only true when he does it um, as um, he stands up in front and he does it in the name of the Holy Spirit. And what do we call that? Infallible. Infallibility. And so an infallibility means what when it comes to the Pope? That what he spoke is true, that he has a gift from his, his a charism, a gift from the Holy Spirit, that he is not going to err when he teaches as Pope and he defines things. And he, there's some sort of parameters that he has to first. For, let me say first, mm-hmm. that for the last, I would say, 500, 600, 800 years, there's only been two infallible teachings. All right. Maybe some people want to argue three. Right. So it's, it's a very rare thing. Yep. In 2000 years, we can say it's, it's almost never, it's, it's never happened. But at times it did happen, let's say recently in the last 300 years, um, then infallible, infallible teaching that Mary um, is was a perpetual virgin and that she was assumed into heaven. Everyone in the Christian world, even um, those who were not Catholic, believed those things anyway. Before. So, yeah, so what the Pope <laughs> yeah. is just saying that, okay, this is now the official teaching. And Yeah, and that's what people don't really don't understand, that the Pope can't get up there and say, because the Holy Spirit will stop him, yeah. that he can't get up there and say that, divorce is okay. Right. Because that is not a teaching of Jesus Christ and that would go directly against the Holy Spirit. And so the Pope is not the know-all be-all on every subject under the human race. He is only when it comes to faith and morals. When he speaks on faith and morals, then that is when we are decreed to believe and and follow that. Correct? Correct. And we have, you know, our, our Pope now, you know, he's, he's a different type of person. He does say some weird things. You know, he says things about climate change. He says things about vaccines, you know, that a lot yeah. of people don't agree with. It don't mean nothing. Yeah, it's just his, his personal opinion. He's allowed as a human being to have his personal opinion. Just like any of us are. Correct. And like the study, like, um, like to go back to the interpreting scripture and things, like my wife a few years ago bought me a, uh, a study, a study Bible. So the Bible... Mm. It's, a, it's, it's awesome, man, by Ignatius Press. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love this Bible. It's exactly what you were saying. When I got that Bible, I started reading through it. And from now, when I read it at the bottom, you read through there's a script. There's, so I have the New Testament. They haven't made, they might have made one on the uh, the Old Testament, but uh, I'm yeah, not I know sure. exactly one, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, man, I read that, mm-hmm. the scripture, and then Below in the notes, there's the interpretation of the church and Christ, what they interpret that scripture to mean. Yeah. And I and I and I and impress upon anybody to please get a Catholic study Bible if you want to learn scripture and understand how to interpret it and what it means and what all this stuff means. And you'll be like David, a theologian. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, but it's like refreshing because. You one, you get connected with what the church has always believed for two thousand years. So that's 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 beneficial. You can see, okay, well, this is what we've always believed on this subject. And second, it goes with again the we believe. You're not alone in believing this as a Protestant. You can be alone in believing a certain thing, but you now you belong to a community of God. Like we believe this, and it's what we always believed, and it's been so. Therefore, it's true, and it's always worked. Like one of my clients a while ago told me that his wife told him that God told her to divorce him. Mm. Well, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mean the demon told you to divorce your husband, what you really should have said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that goes along with interpreting scripture. That goes along with being, when you talked about being formed, it's about being formed in the faith. Mm-hmm. Being formed in the faith, the Christian faith, the Catholic faith is so important. That's why we must, when our babies come out of the womb, we should be forming them, which is the second reason for marriage. The first reason for marriage is what? Procreation. Mm-hmm. But the second purpose for marriage, that God created marriage, is for the formation and education of those children in Him. You know, and that's very, very important. What do you think? Yeah, the, the parents, they're first, uh, they're the primary educators of their children. So uh, parents well-formed in the faith can better articulate the faith to their children, uh, can rear their children in the faith, which then be- better prepares them for, for society. So, the, you know, the building boss of society is the, is the family, is, is moral, Christian morals and values. And uh, like families who stay together, who pray together, educate their children in the faith, those th- these are well-functioning societies. And that's always been the case throughout history. You, you want a well-functioning society, you want married couples, you want parents educating their children in Christian morals and values. And this is what many people don't understand, that when we don't raise our children in the faith— then we are basically becoming communists, right? Mm. We don't, because the communists, they want women in the workforce. They want women um, with pants on. They want kids, they want to indoctrinate your kids so that, into what they believe, yeah. so that they don't, anything, demons what? Demons' main objective, everybody should understand, demons' main objective is what? Anything but God. Mm-hmm. Anything but Christ. If I can get your mind off of Christ, I can get you to believe, to do, and see anything that I, as the demon, is trying to get you to understand. And it's very important. This is why you, as a husband, as a man in your home, as a father, you cannot have your head in the sand anymore when it comes to understanding and growing closer to God and Christ. Right or wrong? That's absolutely true. I mean, if we look at society today, um, we see what's happened. There was a time when education and the hospitals and everything, that, that was a business at the Catholic Church. Catholic Church was in charity. Charity. Yeah. Hospitals, charity. education, charity. This is the function of the Catholic Church. But then we see when the forces that be came and destroyed the monarchies and then, you know, socialism, communism, come on. Now we had a word that we're in now. We're, this weird invention that the popes railed against. Um, back in the 16, 1700s, this idea of public education where the government is in charge of education, the Catholic Church is always against that. The Catholic Church has never said this as endorsed this idea of separation of church and state, because how can the state function if it isn't informed by the church, if the church doesn't have a say in in the law, because the law is a moral function. If the government is saying, well, this is wrong, that is wrong, well, where does it get that from? Has it get it from God? So the law is a moral act and it has to be informed by the church. So now in the country today where we see all these laws that are not formed by Christian morals and values, we see these strange things about sexuality and divorce and all, all these just, just weird things that have no moral foundation whatsoever and that are they're atheistic at their core. So this is just this is a historical problem as the world has moved away from the church. So now we have these so-called government schools and government education. And now if, if your kid is under the age of 10 or going to school studying gay history, they're, they're reading books where, you know, where a man is a boy is given a man a blowjob. It's, it's these, you know, the government, the government has taken over. And they're, and they're forming your kid in, in, in atheism and just whole types of demonic activity. So um, if, you know, so we, we know the church is always recommend if possible, right? You know, parents um, should homeschool if possible, right? If, if that's, or find a good Catholic school. Or if you cannot do any of that, bring when your kid comes home, parents should be actively involved in the education of the children because they are the principal educators. So that, that's the yeah. Catholic idea. And the one of the things that people uh, people have got to understand also that the reason that this is we call this Christ Church well because of the apostolic succession, but one of the reasons that we have the government the government 
and the powers that be and the communists always attack the Catholic Church. Number one, we're the biggest. So you got to knock the biggest down to get them to get corrupt them, and then everybody else is putty. But the second reason is that the Catholic Church has not it. Sure, there are men inside the church that are confused, but the teachings. This is why I tell guys: do not leave the Christ Church because you have to fight the church inside. You have to fight for the church inside the church. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is the doctrine, dogma, and discipline of the church has not changed. So people don't like that. They don't like that we hold true to everything that Christ said. Our teachings and doctrine has not changed, and they want, and so they have to break that down. Like when it comes to same-sex attraction, when it comes to contraception, when it comes to divorce, people inherently because of concupiscence want to do what they want to do. So if a Protestant church or Muslim uh, religion says, hey, you can do kind of what you want to do and we'll kind of change things around to do kind of uh, accommodate you so you'll stay here and give me this money every week for our pastor and things like that. And that is kind of where one of the things that attracted me to the Catholic church was we don't focus on money like that. That surprised the hell out of me. Every time, every church, Catholic church I've ever been in my life, it's surprising. We don't talk, they don't talk about money. There might be a sister of the poor that might come and say, Hey, we need a donation. If you want to give, you can, you don't have to. Uh, we have the, the, the giving of the gifts and the mass where basically the ushers go and take the take the stuff it's a very quiet thing and mm-hmm. they take the, the gifts up there or you can pay your tithes you know outside of mass but one of the things that always impressed me, now you guys might say well that sounds like the same thing it's really not if you've been to a baptist service or pentecostal service or just a regular protestant christian service money is a huge huge thing it's like bammed in your head and i can say that because i've been there and that's yeah. one of the things when i went to the catholic church i was like they don't never talk about money never because you know why you know why david because the mass the church service is about one thing the sacrifice of jesus christ on that altar man right or wrong yeah you nailed it and then there's some and i thought it was like so liberating to become a catholic in that sense because no one is up there talking about yeah you got to pay your 10 percent nobody trying to keep you in there and the money isn't even being directed towards pastors car and all this stuff it's just it's just a completely different setup but i love how it's connected to the liturgy the it's called the offering right so of course nowadays the offering rites, and this is you know we can get in you know this whole, whole lot of minutia about how this even came into the Catholic Church's offering right about around the, the seven around seven hundred A.D. This offering right came into the liturgy, and at first it just used to be a thing at a papal mass, but then it transmitted down into the local masses, but it became part of the liturgy. This idea that your offering is part of worship, that what you have to offer God is first primarily yourself. This is why during the mass, um, during the offering rites, uh, we have we pray this prayer called the Sorsum Coda, where the priest says, and the ancient text used to say the priest exclaims, which means he yells, lift up your hearts. He will exclaim it. And then we say back to him, we lift them up to the Lord. And then, yep. um, and, and so, but, and, and then this, this whole exchange goes on between the priest and the, and the, and the people. This this them exclaiming to one another, and and but what the priest asked us to do was not just lift up your you know your heart emoji, but he says lift up your very self, the source of your being, everything you are, your heart, your lifeblood, lift that up to God. Why? Because that's what belongs to God. Offer that up. So that's the first offering primarily. Mm. But then it always been a custom that what else do you have to offer? What else has God given you that you want to give back? Now, so that could be some monetary things. It could be in some other place of the world. It could be some sheep or some chickens, whatever the church needs and mm-hmm. that you have to offer because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And so we take that to the altar. We don't just take that to the to the ushers and some some things like that. And they take off right. some baskets. We take That's it right. to the altar to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So this is deep. This is worship. 
this is worship like you've never seen before. And um, it is ancient and it's true and it has deep spiritual and theological meaning. And uh, man, I for, you're right. I forgot to say that that the gifts are taken up, taken up to the altar and placed on the altar as part of the sacrifice mm-hmm. and the conversion of the blood and the bread into wine and um, into wine and stuff. And I just it's just awesome. Well, um, one of the guys says, um, "Let me." Uh, he says, Scott says, "There's no separation of church and state." 60% of Americans are Christians, so we have the power to influence state legislation at all levels. Amen. Amen. What do you think about that? Yeah, obviously, we, we definitely need to do better. I, th- I think we, we compromise with our values too much. Um, you know, of course, there's some disunity amongst the Christian people. Um, but in, in some places, in some cities, in some states, we, we do do a lot better. But when it comes mm-hmm. to the cities... Um, New York and Chicago and Cleveland and Atlanta, LA, LA. cities oh, um, that's run by these leftists and things like that, that, that are really harming souls with their policies. Uh, we, we definitely have to find, find a way to do better and influence the law. Yeah. So that segues way to the question I didn't ask that I want to ask um, that I like to, um, that I think that, you know, to help us understand, like, why is, why do we even so let me just ask the questions and you can kind of like go into it like you did last month. And I want to ask this these questions like like every couple of months or so as we do this segment, because I think it's important that people understand why Catholics are called Catholic and things like that. And one of the things that profound things that st- has stuck in my mind for two months now or month now is what you said last month is that the reason one of the reasons that Catholics are called Catholic and we use that name is because back um, in the early church, there were people trying to separate themselves from the apostolic succession. Mm-hmm. And so St. Ignatius, what I forgot which one, but you can correct me, but one of the saints said in his letter that, listen, we've got to come up and say we're Catholic because that lets everybody know that we come from Peter and the apostles. And so that, that succession has gone down to 2000 years where the other people, they are not, a, they're not doing what Christ said to do. And yeah. I just love, man, that was such a profound, I never knew that. That's why I asked you. I never knew that. That is that right there has taken my faith a smidgen to the next level, David. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. That's so good stuff, bro. My, my questions are like, why are Catholics called Catholic? Where does the word Catholics come from? Uh, what does it mean? Who started calling us Catholic and why? And why don't we just call ourselves plain Christian? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. Yeah, and the word Catholic just, you know, it's, you know, simply a Latin word starts with the K. Um, it still sounds like Catholic. Um, just means universal. So, um, and so we are first called Christians in Antioch. You can read this in Scripture and Acts. It's not a word. Christian isn't a word that we meant for ourselves. The scripture says that's what they called us. And it could have meant mm. to be in like a pejoratory sense, like, oh, those Christians over there, you know, those fake Jews or whatever, whatever. Oh, they gotcha. follow Jesus. Right. Um, a closer mm. word we would have called ourselves was, you know, the way. Right. So but they could they called us Christians and we took ownership of that. It's kind of like somebody calling you a name. And you and you say uh, you know it's pejoratory you know and then you own it like okay whatever that's cool <laughs> yeah don't we'll take that right um, and so that was at Antioch so that's a church in Antioch where Peter was the first bishop there and then the second bishop after Peter was um, I think Ignatius I think he's the second bishop so these are the ancient Catholic churches and so uh, around one ten A D in that same town of Antioch outside of Jerusalem. Um, it says that the bishop there, I think his name's Irenaeus, he, he wrote a letter and was saying that where the um, churches gather, where the bishops gather, there is the Catholic church. So it's beautiful that in the same city we're first called Christians, which we still can call ourselves, you know, it's fine. We were also called Catholics to distinguish ourselves from all these other subgroups. So you can sort of see these subgroups who were kind of like, 
um, sort of believe what, you know, they were kind of believe in some of what Jesus and the apostles were teaching. You see them at the Council of Antioch. They were people were, were trying to tell people that you had to be circumcised. And so you had all these fringe groups that we see in Scripture in the New Testament already. And so these fringe groups who had their own churches, their own teachings, their own scriptures, some of them were Gnostic. We need to distinguish ourselves from them to distinguish ourselves as the church of the apostles. This is the church of Peter. This is the church of Clement. This is the church of Linus. This is the church of Peter and all the apostles. This is the church who, who um, were, were, is that um, all the bishops of Rome are the head of the church. You know, this is what the, the language they start to use. They say the church, um, the head of the church is in Rome and has had these bishops, Peter, Clement, Linus. And so we've had to make that distinguishing mark because there's always these fringe ideas, just like there are out there today. But this church, this church that is in Rome, where Peter, um, the successor, I mean, the one that Jesus appointed as the chief apostle, the one he gave the duties to feed his sheep, to um, be a source of unity, the one he renamed Peter, um, who he called the rock, which is a weird thing to call a human being in the Old Testament. Only thing you ever called God was always a rock. God mm-hmm. was my rock and my salvation. And Peter calls this human being a rock. In an Old Testament, God was only called shepherd. But Jesus told this man to shepherd his sheep. There's something special about Peter here. So and it's him who Jesus promised that <clears throat> when you turn back, I'll, I'm going to pray for you that you strengthen your brother. This man Jesus prayed for. So his prayers are efficacious. Jesus prays something is going to happen. So this man we call Peter, Simon Peter, um, he became the first bishop of Rome. And so that's become, you know, the figurative head of our church because it was, you know, um, the head of the Roman Empire, you know, the empire at that time. And so every, so we, we can name every bishop of every church, whether it's Antioch, Rome, Jerusalem, Egypt, um, Alexandria, Egypt. Um, anyway, we know who our bishops are. So it's this church that continues down the line. This church that eventually meets at the Council of Nicaea in 325, this church that continues for the next 2,000 years, this church that canonized the Bible, put this Bible together in 381, because we didn't need a Bible because we had apostles. We didn't we know what we need a Bible for. You know, eventually put one together though for some issues. But this church that continues down the line for 2,000 years, this church that has the Holy Eucharist, only church that teaches outside Orthodox that the Holy Eucharist is truly his blood, his flesh. This church has been teaching the same thing on faith and morals for the last 2,000 years. This church is the church of the apostles, and we call it Catholic because it truly is universal. This is why anywhere you go in the world, you go to a Catholic church because anywhere there's a priest is, there's there's going to be a mass from the rising of the sun to the setting, like it says in the song. There's always going to be a Catholic mass offering worship to God. So this church, you know, uh, you, you know, it's not like the Protestant church. You in Ohio, you in Columbus, Ohio, you got your Baptist church. You have first church. The first church not in Jerusalem. First church, not New Zealand, but the Catholic church is because it's universal and it's all God's people. It's not just all the blacks over here or the whites over here, Hispanics, but it's not divided. Amen, brother. All of God's people is universal everywhere. So we're truly Catholic. Preach it, David. Preach it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, baby. So real quick, explain what agnostic means, because some people may not know that. Yeah, agnostic is what I was uh, for a long time, Jerry. Uh, there's different types of, of agnostics, but generally a, a person who is agnostic just merely means that you're unsure. You're um, The Latin is like closer to unknowing. Uh, that would be the Latin word. So you're agnostic about, you know, whether there is a God or not a God. You know, for me, when I was agnostic, I was open to the idea of there being a God. But I was I definitely wasn't open to the idea that that God was interested in my personal life. He may have created the universe. He may end it one day, but it wasn't like a noble God. He definitely wasn't like a Jesus. Some agnostics are more, um, you know, the more you know, rigorous. You know, they have the like these arguments. But an agnostic is really what I found was really just a lazy atheist. Right. Because <laughs> an, an agnostic is saying, I don't know. You know, they're like a woman who doesn't know where to dinner, go to dinner. What do you, where do you want to go to dinner, honey? I don't know. You know, they're only shrugging <laughs> her shoulders. That's an agnostic. Yeah. So um, an atheist is just like, just a silly person just saying, well, 
there's no God, which is weird to say anyway, because you have to admit there was a God to say there's no God, right? But <laughs> but a, a, a Gnostic is just saying that it's just just a, just lazy. That's all we are. Okay, so basically, agnostic is they they believe that there's a God, just not no they're God. not sure yeah. that they don't really know, and then they don't know if Jesus is real and all of that kind of like they're very doubted, like like Mister like uh, Saint Thomas doubting Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so the um we got so we got time we got time for at least one more objection. So. Number two, objection number two, how can the Catholic Church claim to be one in unity? So, scripture that proves this false is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. The uh, interpretation of that scripture is the doctrines of the Catholic Church are universal and unchanging. Some Catholics may misunderstand or misrepresent the official teachings of the church. But this doesn't change the church's teachings. Amen. The Catholic Church is one holy Catholic, which means universal, and apostolic. Some members may stray, some may fall away, some may teach heresy, and all will sin. But the unity of the church, the body of Christ, will remain intact. So what do you think about that, Mr. David? Yeah, and I think it... It's, I think that that was very important to me when I became a Catholic. Probably was important to you too, uh, coming out of Protestantism, because again, as Protestants, we're kind of like, well, what church do we join? And we can kind of make that decision based upon what we believe about Scripture. You know, you can find a church, a Protestant church that agrees with you, <laughs> like what you, what sure you can. believe about the Bible. <laughs> like There's thirty or forty thousand of them. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you, if, and if you can't find one, Jerry, you can start one. It's that there you simple. Go. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, you can start your own. <laughs> exactly. You could do this thing. So name it what you want to. So um, the Catholic, the Catholic idea is different. And um, so when I became Catholic, I had to recognize that um, that I'm not the problem. Like the, what the church's belief is always believed. I'm, I'm the, so I don't disagree. The church doesn't disagree with me. I disagree with, with the church. So I have to reconcile myself to God. Yes. And so. We're one. So the church, the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. Those are the four marks. And so you're talking about the one piece, the unity piece. And so we're one because God isn't divided. God is one. So there's no division in the Holy Trinity. There's no division in God. God is perfectly one. And so when we're baptized into that unity through baptism, we're baptized into that oneness. We become parts of that one body of Christ. And that, that baptism unites all Christians. If you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you belong to that one unity, that oneness of God. And then that's confirmed in our baptism. We're sealed in that unity through the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell with us. The one God makes his home with us. So we're truly one with God. There's a relationship there. And then the, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist that we talked about, um, and Corinthians talks about this as well. It's the one bread, the one body. So Christ, who was one, makes himself for the many. So we all eat at one bread of the many. So there's not many breads because there's not many Christ. At mass, we all partake of the one bread of Christ, the one body. So that unifies us again. And then the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, what people call confession. We go confess our sins, and then through that, we're again, we're reunited into that one body. Though sin may have separated us for a while, we're reunited again into that oneness. And so this this is, I think, you know, the, the, the marks of the church are ordered as such, you know, because it's the oneness first, the unity first. If God isn't one, then he's not God. You can't be God in many. That's polytheism. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the unity piece first. That's just just so essential. Um, And I think everyone should desire to belong to that. If God is one, how come you're not part of his one body? 
whole lot of Protestants may say, oh, well, you know, you, the church is kind of invisible. You don't have to belong to just one church. Where's that in scripture? Or the yeah. Protestant may say, oh, well, you know, we're all one in spirit. Where's that in scripture? You know, you know, so we can't just be making up stuff. All right. So what we know is what right. Jerry just read and what the scriptures say that we're that God has called us to this unity in himself. And he established a church on earth. He didn't come down. He came down from earth, established a church. And you said, well, yeah, he started a church, but I don't got to belong in that church. Where is that in the Bible? So <laughs> it's, mm. so we, we should all strive to truly belong to the unity and oneness of God because that is what we were created for. Beautiful. And so the last one for today, and we will be done, is objection number three. In the church, everyone is subject only to the authority of the Bible. So the scripture that disproves this and makes it false is Ephesians 2.20, which states... Built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And the interpretation of that scripture is the church is built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone or capstone. The apostles and their successors were authority within the early church, just as they are today. The Bible was not brought together into one book until 393, yeah, my eyes are watering, but 390, we'll say 393 AD. Apostolic succession was the primary authority prior to this time. Oral tradition was heavily relied upon since many letters and gospels were still being written. No one knew which were truly inspired until 393 AD. What do you think, Mr. David? Yeah, and I think um, there's another one in Thessalonians uh, 2.15 as well, just a little bit before that as well. Let me find it to you. See, yeah, by abolishing in the flesh the law, commandments, and ordinance, he might come to create himself one man in a new place, making peace. I think, no, I think, I think I'm thinking of a different one. But um, So, yeah, along with the verse that Jerry read, there's another one that says that Paul says, hold fast to the letter and the word. Yes, sir. I was going to say that, but I figured you'd do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't find the exact verse, but yeah, so it's, it's a letter and a word. So as Jerry said, you know, we didn't have a Bible until like three, over 350 years after Jesus died. So we've never been a people to be like, oh, just the Bible. We didn't even have scriptures. We were arguing about what scriptures should be in the Bible all the way up until like the, 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 the fourth century. Yeah. So, um, by word and by mouth. That's what this is. Yeah, what it says. Yeah. yeah. And the word a mouth is a Greek word called paradosis, which means just tradition, those things that are handed down by the apostles. So this is this was the faith. It was these traditions and the, the apostles' interpretation, their relationship with Jesus Christ, what they knew, and their successors. So our future bishops, after the apostles died, the people who they taught and trained actually knew them. And so our scriptures, so for a long time, the Catholic, when the Catholic is under, we're understanding scriptures, we're trying to figure these things out. We had people like Irenaeus who would say, oh yeah, I knew Paul. This is what Paul meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, so, oh yeah, I knew Timothy. You know, I, oh yeah, right. I knew John. So this is, yeah, this is what John taught me. And so it's a, it's a, Catholicism is like on a whole different other level. I mean, if you, it is. if you're not Catholic, you're reading the Bible, you're just kind of reading it outside of his tradition and you just kind of figure out things on your own or with some other person who might say, but for Catholics, you're understanding it from how the apostles themselves understood it and, and passed it down to us. It's kind of like reading a Stephen King book and talking to Stephen King, like, hey, Stephen, what do you mean by this? <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different level. And, and that's, I think that's what everyone really deserves how to understand scripture, how the sense of through which the Holy Spirit inspired the apostles um, and early Christians to write it and understand it. And, and, and that's why you, like I say a lot, and a lot of other people say a lot, that the Catholic faith is the fullness of the faith. It gives you everything that God has to offer. Mm. And so 
if you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Jehovah's Witness or whatever, that is cool. But what I ask is that you, in order to get the fullness, to get everything that Christ wants you to have, you must push the envelope. You got to push the envelope, man. And when you start pushing that envelope, it will lead you. The Holy Spirit will lead you to Christ's church. And that Amen. is when your faith will take off like a rocket, man, if Amen. you embrace it. Amen. Amen. So, brother, thank you so much for coming. But before we go, I want to ask you, as I always do, what's going on at, at uh, stdominicsmedia.com, man? What what you got going on? Any current projects? Or just, you know, let me know where guys can find you and learn some stuff. Yeah, that's the really best place to really find me, um, stdominicsmedia.com. Or you can really just type in David L. Gray in Google or go wherever you go and you can find what's what I'm doing make sure you do hop over to stdominicsmedia.com because um, Jerry Jacobs Jr. does have a wonderful lesson over there in our series Return to the Sacred he's breaking it down marriage family manhood and we have 26 other well-known theologians priests deacons lay people evangelists talking about the most important thing how do we recover our sins of the sacred. It's the most fundamental, important thing that the answer that we have to answer today, because we, we we goofy out here. We, we've lost all sense, all common sense and all sense of the sacred. And we, we really need some help. And so Jerry, along with 26 others, has has come in and gave us some good instruction. It's free of charge. You don't even have to register. Just click play. And that's the same diamondsmedia.com return to the sacred. All right, brother. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us this morning. And guess what? We'll go back to our regular time next month, and I will see you then. And have a great day, man. Peace, God peace. bless you, man. You Take too, care. brother. Bye. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider... Marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. All right, all right. Again, that was David L. Gray of SaintDominicsMedia.com. And to be also, man, look, Y'all need to go check him out on YouTube too. He does this comedy, these comedy skits, man. And they're called, he calls himself Father Hell No. Man, one day I think I'm going to play one of his things, man. One of his uh, YouTube shorts or something. He is so funny. Basically, he's he has this crazy curly wig on and he has a priest outfit on in the collar. And he goes around and trying to tell people, you know, the true teachings of the church and things like that it is so funny it is so funny and uh that's uh you can find him on uh david l gray on uh youtube his channel but you would you would enjoy it he's 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 very in depth and um i think you know there's some things on that you would that you definitely like again thank you all for hanging out with me today um we did a little something laid back today because i want to my job is i really want you guys to understand the faith um uh, the the Christian faith more to get to, to embrace all that there is, and you can't do that if you don't uh, have a thirst for knowledge of God. And this is how you grow closer to Him, and this is how you can justify your prayers every day. This is how you can justify, you know, being the leader and the spiritual head of your home and things like that, and uh, being on fire for Jesus Christ, man. 
is is the way. Like he was, like David was saying, it is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. So with that being said, we are done for the day. Uh, again, I will not have a show Thursday, which is tomorrow, because of my granddaughter's funeral. And my wife always says, you tell people about your pains so that they have the opportunity to grow in faith and pray for you. So usually I don't tell stuff, but I'm going to follow my wife's advice and I'm going to ask you guys to to pray for my son and his wife um, for the loss of um, their daughter and my me and my wife's granddaughter. And um, other than that, uh, I will see you next Tuesday and we will get back on track. Hopefully if nothing else traumatic happens, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I am always here. All right. So if you need marriage help, save my catholicmarriage.com and we will be there for you. So as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict the 16th, which states society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Now go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Tuesday through Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313 Radical. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit CatholicAlpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang.